I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudet. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. So b- b- before we begin this conversation, I want to ask everyone to make sure you remain to the second half. So we're going to have two very, very separate conversations that I think will benefit you very, very strongly, each of them. So uh, as I start my conversation with my wonderful friend, Carlo, remain with us till the end. Thank you for joining me. I am once again in Amsterdam in this endless quest for wisdom today. Uh, to talk to you about a topic uh, of the future, really, uh, with one of my dearest friends. But before I start, I want to point out the incredible background behind us. We are uh, at the offices of uh, Insomhout. Correct. We are at the offices of Insomhout, which uh, my dear friend Yip uh, Somehout has uh, offered us the space to to record and film today. Uh, Behind us, you can see... We're really like at the dead center of Amsterdam. It is uh, behind, you know, behind me is a little further away from the central station, but the central station is right over there. So all of us tourists, when we come uh, to Amsterdam, that's basically all we see. But I have to admit with the background of the canals behind us, it's really, really pretty. Uh, I am with another incredibly dear friend. L- let me start by telling you a story. I, I, When I wrote Solve for Happy, my wonderful agent and dear friend, uh, Michael Carlyle, uh, told me openly, you should not write a big hit. He said, write a book that's evergreen so that every year you sell more of it than the year before. Make it, make it a, not a, not the kind of book that's like a firework. You know, you get it all over the news and the media, and then you sell a lot, and then nobody buys it anymore. And so we actually wrote Soul for Happy that way. We focused so much on the idea of not making it something that will burn away quickly, uh, and that's been the truth. We've sold every year more than we've sold the year before uh, since the the book came out because of your kind recommendations to each other. But there has been two events that definitely put Solve for Happy and One Billion Happy, the mission, uh, on track to where we are today. Uh, One of them was the Channel 4 video uh, that was shot in uh, London around four weeks after uh, after the book was published, which basically was talking about committed acceptance. And the video became super, super, super viral. Uh, I think we had 87 million views of it in the first uh, two weeks of uh, if it's... um, of its being put on the internet. And uh, the other event was uh, RTL Late Night here in the Netherlands, where uh, RTL Late Night is most by far at the time uh, the biggest show uh, in the Netherlands. And with the host of the show being so dynamic and so, uh, um, you know, uh, good at asking me the right questions, Umberto Tan uh, and I basically, uh, you know, had a, an amazing conversation where uh, Soul for Happy, the Lochica von Gluck, 
uh, became number two uh, on the charts literally the next morning and stayed there for several weeks. We sold more than 100,000 copies in the Netherlands, which by um, the standards of the size of the population is quite, quite uh, popular. Uh, behind the scenes uh, of Umberto and the show and the whole, you know, cameras and the other guests and so on was probably one of the most renowned directors in the history of television uh, in, uh, in the Netherlands. So Carlo von Linden was the one that basically believed in what I had to say and allowed me to be on the show. He directed uh, RTL Late Night and before that RTL uh, Boulevard and uh, truly, truly uh, made a massive difference to the scene of TV uh, in uh, the Netherlands and then quit and uh, decided that the direction of the consumer preference, the feeling, Carlo is that kind of person that has that gut feeling. It's very logical, very, very systemic at the way he does business, but, uh, and directs, you know, his, his shows, but he has that sense, that feeling of this is not the right direction where I should be. He quit and he um, went on a very interesting personal journey as well as a career journey uh, that I will um, discuss with him today so that I take you from the past of television to the future of connection. I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing conversation. So, Carlo, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for believing in me. And thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for having me on the show and such an amazing introduction. Um, it's the truth. Totally. Okay. Well, every thank time, you. every time I met you since uh, we got introduced, that was what was in my heart. Mm. Did I not say it before? Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> uh, uh, definitely. I mean, um, and if it, you didn't say it, uh, you have always uh, let me feel it. So um, that's from my heart, uh, absolutely, another way to communicate with each other. Yeah, and 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 I I have to say, Carlo, you have that incredible mix in you. So you 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 have this Dutch directness, yeah, very very logical. Uh, you you rarely ever say anything that's not backed up with data, yeah. right? Uh, but behind that, there is this very um, feeling person, okay, who is completely driven by, I, I don't know if it's intuition or you, you see things, I think, before we see them. Yeah, and um, I think that's a privilege, but it's also something to carry with you because mm. uh, it's also, I think, as long as I'm uh, aware of being a human, it's also um, something that I carry with you and it's always a battle. Mm. From from my youth, I mean, I think when you talk with my mother, she will tell you incredible stories about teachers who were telling her, you know, prepare yourself that uh, this could be something uh, to deal with the rest <laughs> of your life. Yeah, it's um, going to be difficult <laughs> because we don't know uh, what to make of him. Uh, but I think uh, that was always that. Yeah, I I am. You know, everybody go goes right uh, i want to go left if that feels better for me but it's also that um yeah you're always a little bit ahead of your time eh? so um 
that's something that I definitely dealt with when I uh, quitted uh, the job in the TV industry, uh, like you said, with Artyom Boulevard and Artyom Late Night. Yeah, that 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 was not the um, easiest uh, path and not the easiest time for me uh, in all kinds of way. But uh, that was definitely uh, uh, the the other side of you know choosing your own. Uh, your own path and and follow your own feeling. Mm. And I made some mistakes. I think the last couple of years, uh, within doubt and and uh, a lack of self confidence, that I I learned my lessons the last couple of years after I I quitted my job as a TV director of Artel Boulevard and Artel Late Night because I made decisions with my head and not with my heart. So I paid the I paid I paid a price for that. But eventually, you know, um, sitting here. Uh, I'm a better professional and a more around uh, person after I uh, recovered from that decision. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so I, I want to go back to the to the industry in a bit, but but first I want to actually, if you don't mind talking about yeah. your personal life a little bit, um, something I know about you was started when you were a cyclist uh, back yeah. as a teen. Yeah, quite a good one actually. Yeah, I made it to the national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I was always passionate about cycling. My father was a cyclist, so I grew up literally uh, around the course. Um, and eventually they let me uh, do my thing and, and they, they couldn't stop me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we know that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was I was quite good at it. Uh, made it to the national team. Uh, had... Uh, a dream was fully focused on becoming a professional. That that was the only thing I literally uh, lived for. Uh, that was also the choice why why uh, I, I wasn't good at school. Uh, but when I started cycling and I had the focus to become a pro, then suddenly school, you know, went up uh, instantly because I said, okay, so I don't want to have any trouble or don't have any distraction about my schoolwork. So I did, I did what I had to do to, to just, Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. To, so to be that, allowed yeah. to live your dream. Yeah, exactly. And to be focused on that part of my life. The thing was that, uh, when I was riding for the national team, uh, it was made very clear that if you want to become a pro cyclist, then uh, you have to be capable of riding uphill. So mm-hmm. you have to, you know, eventually be capable of riding tours from a week, two weeks or three weeks. And there's always you know, uh, some climbing involved. And I'm not a climber. Uh, so I'm more uh, a guy, you know, I'm, I'm too big uh, and too heavy uh, for, for riding uphill. So um, that was a problem. And... Um, didn't get, I think, the right mental and physical support back then. So figuring it out by yourself. And uh, eventually I developed uh, an eating disorder. Uh, to, to try and reduce lose your weight. weight. Yeah, mm. because, you know, if you want to ride uphill uh, and, and uh, you ain't capable of riding uphill, then you're going to figure out, okay, so how I'm going to do and how can I follow the pack uphill? Because I was always one of the first to get dropped. Uh, also mentally uh, tough. Um, so yeah, then, then eventually you stop eating. Uh, because you think, you know, uh, less weight is, is more power uphill. 
And that became not in that year, but but two years later, it became a really big, big problem. I mean, if I look at pictures from back in the days, uh, you can see that I'm I'm not healthy. And eventually it it yeah it it kicked my ass because uh, I didn't have any energy in the tank uh, to do what I do best: uh, riding the flats, riding the Flemish uh, uh, classics, spring classics. That was my uh, uh, specialty. And nowadays, you should say, you know, as a pro rider, uh, you can earn your money with that. Uh, specialty but uh, like I said you know without the right uh, guidance and the right coaching um, yeah Uh, so then eventually um, yeah the body says no Uh, not the computer says no but the body says no and doctors are figuring out so what's going on with the body they can't find anything and then you are 19 20 uh, live for one dream and then the doctor is telling you yeah. Um, Can't try it anymore. Yeah, no, uh, just s- s- stop with chasing your dream because we can't find anything and uh, it's over here. And that was... Um, so it wasn't clear for you that the reason why you're losing strength is because you're not eating? No. And now, so backwards, now backwards thinking, you know, you said, how, how, how can I, how could I miss that? Mm-hmm. But every everything and everybody around you is, is, you know, working with you to uh, create your story, to create your truth and uh, is helping you to, to realize your dream. So uh, everybody is focusing on doing what they think is right. But eventually uh, looking backward, you yeah. know, uh, wasn't you right for you. No, with the knowledge that I'm, I'm uh, living with today, then, then you should say, how could we miss that? Uh, how, how long did it take you? So you're, you, you started to sort of go down that track when you were 17. By 19, you're not able to. Yeah, 15, I think. Mm. And uh, I think it was around 90, 20 uh, that I quit it. Uh, that so, is horrible. Like that's a, a dream yeah. crushed. Yeah, and it was, I don't uh, think about it uh, a lot anymore, but also I think uh, the one that uh, really knows what I'm talking about is, is my mother. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, that, were, uh, that were black days. Uh, that was really deep depression. And um, yeah, I, I, I also, I, I, I didn't have, anything to go. Huh? So I, I didn't have a social life and didn't have many friends because all that I did was focus right. on cycling. Yeah. So I didn't uh, know, so what's next? Um, so after the doctor tell me, you know, stop, uh, I stopped for one season and afterwards I tried for two years uh, to come back. Didn't, uh, came back on the level that, that uh, I was on before. And I, I know that uh, I had one weekend that was terrible. It was, <laughs> uh, so, and then um, I decided, so, okay, uh, if I ain't gonna make money as a professional cyclist, what I, am I going to do uh, for, for a living? And back in my, in my youth, 
uh, I uh, was on school and, and, and we, we, we saw a clip of uh, professionals, uh, uh, you know, who explained what they did. And, and I saw one time uh, a cameraman, man, uh, telling what his job was. And uh, so I went uh, back home after I, I did a terrible uh, uh, competition and I sat down. Uh, Googled, so how can I became a camera? How, how can I become a cameraman? And then I found uh, the the course for journalism, and I said, okay, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm I'm going to do that, uh, and I'm going to still ride the bike, but uh, I'm going to study. Yeah, and that's where uh, a, a tipping point came, where eventually, as an interny, uh, I have to go to. Uh, Archer Boulevard for three months and uh, that three months uh, became a year and that year became 10 years and the rest is history. So uh, Incredible. Uh, would, you, would you tend to believe that, let me ask this differently, if, if you were to look back now at losing that cycling career for your TV career, do you think it was a fair trade from life? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Because I think it, uh, brought me so much more, the whole experience, you know, I think from a personal perspective, knowing who you are, um, by, uh, I mean, I'm sitting next. Uh, 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 with a man uh, who has dealt with a lot, uh, much more than, than I did, but, but you know, hitting uh, the ground, the bottom, and then figuring out, okay, so how can we um, get on our, on our feet again? And, and that's the whole game. So I think for sure. And, and I think, uh, you know, as a cyclist, it's, uh, it's a small world. Uh, and, and it be, uh, if you are a professional cyclist, you know, you are done at 35. Maybe if you're lucky and treat yourself well, maybe you can make it to the forties, but then, uh, then the question remains. So what I'm going to do with my life after I, uh, uh, after my cycling career. Mm. So I think this, um, path, uh, of, of going to the TV industry was yeah way richer than than uh when i uh should have become a cyclist yeah yeah i mean it's interesting i i, I always i always think of that but normally most of the biggest things we ever achieve in life uh we're forced into by life you, you know yeah. mo mo most people don't realize that you you think that i became chief business officer of google x because i'm clever not at all. It's, you know, life puts you in a corner yeah. and somehow the only path you have ahead of you is, okay, I have to go that way. And that way makes you something, right? And, and you know, all of those things, when, you, I, when I think back at, at my life, you know, some people will say you should, it should be your proudest achievement to be chief business officer of Google X. I actually think in reality, I became chief business officer of Google X for the single sole reason uh, of being famous enough when I published my first book. Yeah. So it was basically life sort of setting the stones in place yeah. to say, okay, we're going to give you some credibility so that when you write the book, we want you to write, yeah. uh, people actually buy it, yeah. right? Uh, and, and then somehow we look back at that and we realize, wow, that tough time uh, is actually was actually very good for me. And yet the next tough time 
we go like, why? You know, why is life doing this to me? And, and it's, like, it's really quite eye-opening for me. But it's, uh, it takes courage and time to, and, and, and uh, in some kind, uh, rest to look back and, and see the process. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, for the future, uh, have self-confidence to trust on what the Stoics call what nature is giving you. Yeah. Um, so, you, you, you come across like a real Stoic to me. Uh, we never talked about that before. No, no, but but uh, I studied the Stoics uh, very deeply, mm. and and uh, I feel uh, very very connected to the Stoic philosophy. Um, and when I uh, read, uh, I mean, I I, I think uh, Marcus Aurelius, his meditation yeah. guide, is on my yeah. uh, on my side next to my bed every evening. I I read uh, uh, some piece of content of his meditations. The Stoics for me is now uh, at forty three uh, coming home for me. And mm. uh, some people say. Uh, it's a boring, a boring philosophy. Oh, not at all. But but uh, the stoicism is, yeah. I mean, I feel so connected to. I mean, to, to those when guys. You, when you think of what you did in your early twenty, that's quite stoic, actually. It's like, okay, this path is closed. What can I do, uh, cameraman? Yeah. I'm going to look at that. Yeah. And, you know, for for our listeners who may not uh, be fully aware of stoicism, I, I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to Donald Robertson, uh, the first year of slow-mo, and uh, who wrote the, um, um, I don't remember the name of the book, about Marx Aurelius, basically. And uh, and it was an incredible conversation. So so let's go and continue. And, uh, 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 let me say one more. Mm -hmm. the, the Stoics, if you read their original uh, writing, then they talk a lot about the uh, about nature, mm. and and with nature they mean you know uh, your thoughts uh, uh, and living with the nature is is very important for uh, uh, the Stoics, and I think in in some kind of way we you know the the word uh, nature uh, that how we use it. Today, they, they used it in a totally different way. And yeah, it's we the could way learn life, a lot from it. It's the way life unfolds, yeah, basically. Yeah, 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 it yeah. is the, the mechanical system beyond life and yeah. how life will always treat you regardless of how you wish it would treat you. Yeah. It seems that life will come with some tests and that's part of its nature. Yeah, and how you deal with that kind of test, that's where the Stoics yeah. uh, say, uh, so they talk a lot about nature and they talk about a lot about, and they use the word virtue a lot absolutely uh, so those two words are definitely something uh, and and uh, yeah well focusing on on the effort and uh, uh, on the things that you can control instead of what you can't control that's where where stoics i believe have has a lot to learn i agree totally agree um so let's fast forward a bit yeah before we go to to to, to tv and media and so on i want to stay with your personal story that was not the end of your sports career, though. No. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I sort of feel a bit jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you're a top 50 triathlete. Uh, so this, for those who don't understand, is like the most grueling thing humanity should ever do. Like I, I look at those people and I go like, 
what's wrong with you? Like, why do you do this? It's nine hours? Uh, no, more. It depends on the course. Yeah. Uh, but it's always, uh, so we are in Amsterdam, so uh, 3.8 kilometers swim, 180 kilometers uh, bike ride. And then uh, you are in for a treat because then you have to run a marathon. This combination of sports, so swimming, biking and running, uh, there were three friends who had a discussion on Hawaii, Kona, in uh, uh, 1979, I believe. Uh, and they discussed, so who of us is the best athlete? And they couldn't figure it out. So they decided, so what if we uh, make one uh, uh, competition? So one... Uh, play with all the three, the, the sports integrated in each other. And the guy who's the first on the line is the winner. And that became the triathlon. Mm. So always swimming, uh, biking and uh, running. And it depends on the course, you know, the weather condition. So time is, is always uh, event uh, specific, mm. uh, year specific even. Uh, but uh, Hawaii is every year still uh, the world championship. And because of the conditions, uh, the humanity and uh, humility and, uh, and 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 the heat, it's it's a grueling, grueling event. Yeah, yeah. So so you're doing all of that in the Hawaii humidity and heat. Yeah. And and I mean, I it would take me around probably a month to walk 180 yeah. kilometers. <laughs> uh, so, so you bike 180 kilometers, that would probably take me forever because I don't bike anyway. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then the marathon is what, 30 some kilometers? Yeah, it's a marathon, so it's 42.2 kilometers. Nice, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. like four yeah. days for me. You know, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so, so how did you end up in that place? Well, talking about, uh, you know, uh, nature, uh, I was uh, in back in those days working way too hard. I think you could say I'm I'm know that passion, yeah. passionate about work. So I'm I'm a workaholic because I want to do the right thing, and that's demanding. So I think I was working way too hard, maybe a little bit overworked uh, as an editor in chief of Arthur Boulevard back in the days. And I was on a holiday with my wife on uh, in Bar, and I was reading a book of Mark Allen, six times uh, winner of the Ironman in Hawaii. Mm. And in the blink of an eye, I said to her, wow, that's, you know, doing the triathlon in Hawaii, that, that's something. Eh? And she said, if you want to do that, then you go upstairs to our room, you grab your Googles, you dive in the pool right here, and you start. I said, oh, okay. That's such okay. a Dutch wife yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 in yeah, your yeah. face. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, don't, you know, bluff with me. If you're talking about it, go ahead and do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Uh, so, so I did. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a Dutch man. Yeah, I, I grabbed my Googles and uh, I, I, yeah, I, I uh, get in the water and, and that's where it all started. And uh, five years later, uh, fast forward, uh, I was on Hawaii. Um, but the funny thing is, and, and you, you can't think about that, uh, in advance, but the funny thing is that the five year that I, I, I took, I needed to, from that moment in Zanzibar to, you know, being on Competing, the start line yeah. of, of Hawaii, um, was life changing mm. and it was life changing because I had the experience uh, as a cyclist and not uh, realizing my dream 
uh, to become. So it wasn't, yeah, I think an open end and uh, unfinished business, you could say. Mm. And then I started uh, training for triathlon and deep inside, I, I Im- immediately uh, recognized the same thoughts, the same th- feelings that I had uh, as a cyclist. And, and I the decided, trauma of the, yeah, 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 you know, uh, exactly the trauma. And uh, I immediately decided this is not the way I want to do this sport. I'm not going to do it for the second time and make the same um, decisions. So I decided to uh, go and work with a sports psychiatrist. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Sandra van Essen. And that woman, I mean, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm smiling while saying it. Uh, yeah, she was so hyper professional, but, but she changed my life uh, because, you know, in, in some kind of way, it was also a physical journey. I mean, talking about the eating disorder, I mean, food, you know, eating, fueling yourself in the right way. If you are competing for nine, 10 hours, uh, then fuel is something as to mm. work on. So I got a second chance on that and, and got so much knowledge and so much insights of uh, eating the right things uh, to not only perform well, but I think also, you know, doing uh, the right thing when uh, you are at work and, and so eating the right things and, and what it means to, to live the good life. But also, I think mentally, um, yeah, it changed, it changed my life. It was a life-changing event. And for sure, you know, it's nice to focus on the 10th of October 2015. I was on that starting line. Uh, I had the best physical and mental day I could have. I think the best day of my life till, till date. But for me... Uh, that that five years was was way more important than um, that that day on Hawaii. What was closure? What was closing of uh, unfinished business for sure? Realizing a dream I had, but um, the things uh, um, I learned along the way that 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 was mind blowing. Yeah, I, that's to me, I think my favorite part of your story and the idea, the reality of, I mean, it's a very big achievement. Uh, I can openly say I will never achieve this ever, right? Or maybe I should, but uh, did you see? Well, we, we are here in the uh, <laughs> water. <laughs> we can grab some Googles <laughs> and I can challenge you. Uh, like the way Marijke did, you know, dive in and start here. No, with your... you, see, you see, this is why I would never do it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so the, the thing is, it's a very big achievement. But But every time you talk to me about this, it's very much the journey. Yeah, yeah it's you celebrate. Journey. It's a process. Yeah, I mean, th- th- talk to me about the the heights altitude training. Yeah, so um, to 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 place it in context, uh, I switched from Archer Boulevard during the period I was training uh, as a triathlete, um, and during those uh, those years, you know, Hawaii was something on the horizon for sure. It was a dream, but if you are capable of really start at Hawaii. I mean, you have to qualify. Uh, it's very, very hard to even get a start, to get a ticket to start in Hawaii. So, um, and and I was, 
back in those days, you know, editor-in-chief of RTL Late Night, what was more... Grueling. Yeah, but also if you talk about uh, something that uh, came deep from inside of me, uh, then RTL Late Night was definitely something I was strongly attached and passionate about. Longer days. I mean, we talk about a late night show. It's crazy. Uh, um, so I had a friend, uh, uh, but which is a famous Dutch cyclist, Gert-Jan Teunissen, uh, who I think uh, is totally misunderstood here in the Netherlands because of his career and the path he chose. Uh, but uh, it's an amazing, amazing guy. And he always told me since I met him and and we became friends he always said to me you have to go to altitude you have to go to altitude with the way you live with the work you do you have to go to altitude and i said yeah but i don't have the time i I didn't give myself you know the time to go because if you want to do altitude training you have to go there for at least 10 days to, mm. to to get some Benefit. effect and and um 14 days uh, 16 days is is the best window to go and you go on altitude because you know there's less oxygen in alt, uh, on uh, uh, height, yeah, yeah 2000 uh, meter above sea level so your body is adapting uh, on uh, an environment with less oxygen and if you return to sea level you have an advantage of you know, you are capable of transporting more oxygen to your muscles and that will eventually um, lead to better performance. Yeah. That's, that's uh, in a simple way why you do it. So it's like fuel injection. I know like turbocharging. A machine, yeah, basically. you know, uh, EPO is is something that's been used in the, in the 90s and 2000s. And it's it's in a natural way, you know, you, you give yourself some EPO mm-hmm. uh, and... I can tell you it works. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's incredible what it does to your body. But but more important, um, so when uh, RTL decided that they wanted to bring RTL Boot of RTL Late Night uh, uh, to their uh, uh, to their um, station, uh, I stopped with RTL Boulevard, and I had literally I was in between jobs, in between programs. So I had one summer of two months that that yeah I was. Uh, uh, free of doing what I want. So I said to Gertjan, okay, so let's go to, to the Sierra Nevada here in Spain. It's a ski resort in Spain. I mean, yeah. the contradiction of yeah. temperatures. And, yeah. and he said to me, okay, so let's go. And, and training on altitude is um, a little bit dangerous. If you don't know what you're doing, uh, it's, it's easy to, to do yourself more damage than, mm. than to do good. And he is very much experienced of training on altitude. So... He said, I will come with you and and we're going to train together and I will learn you everything I can of training on altitude. And um, yeah, being there, you know, the Sierra Nevada, like I said, it's a ski resort in Spain. And mainly you can imagine you have two things there. And one is you have there nothing. And the second thing is you have totally nothing. (laughs) So you should be happy with nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. And and, um, it's, you know... um, you have to be capable of just sitting there uh, with a mission to train. But, but, and we were there 
on uh, altitude and uh, your body is working and it's not, uh, especially in the first days that you are there, it's, it's not funny. It's not, not comfortable to be there because your, your, your body is, you know, is working and says some alarm bells going off. And uh, so, because it's the lack of oxygen. And we were there um, and we were, I, I, I remember the, the moment quite well. We were having dinner, uh, uh, 2,500 meters above sea level. And he said to me, the one that's capable of managing his ego is the one who's capable of leading a happy life. Hmm. And he said that to me because training on altitude, you know, something that you can use is your ego because you have to go slow. You have to go slow and you have to only focus on the efforts that you have to do that day. And, and the rest, you know, you have to be in peace with yourself. And, and from that moment on, um, yeah, it told me a lot about, you know, um, being calm in a sense that being calm, uh, more like an emotional calmness. Uh, I think, yeah, if you talk about Stoics uh, in some kind of way, the calmness, Stoics are telling you to be calm, handle with your emotions, uh, focus on only the things that you have to do and, and not worry about the things that are around you. Outside Very your control. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. So from that moment on, I, I, I um, came back and I said to Marijke, my wife, I don't know and I don't care what happens to me in the upcoming years. But from now on, every year, I'm going two weeks to the Sierra Nevada and just to sit there. And for me, I mean, thinking about it, uh, yeah, it makes me laugh, but it could also make me cry because um, that's uh, such a happy place for me. It's, it's incredible. And, and the first year it became an, uh, an important place for me to prepare myself on uh, events like the European Championships and the World Championships. But... Uh, afterwards, you know, uh, when I stopped uh, triathlon, I went there with Marijke for two times and, and she has the same experience there. And, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, just sit there. Uh, we, we book a room uh, in, a, in, in one hotel that, that, that's open uh, and, and you sit there for two weeks for, I believe, uh, 600 euros <laughs> because mm -hmm. they, <laughs> they're very happy to see you. Yeah, and they are willing to pay you <laughs> as long as you come. <laughs> And, and, you know, just be there and in, in, in the thin air uh, and, and be with yourself and go back, really go back to nature and to the essence of life, I think. And that has nothing to do with the Western hectic, materialistic life that we are used to live here in Amsterdam. Yeah, that, that, that learned me a lot about uh, who I am and, and who, especially who I want to be. It's, it's funny. So the other person that said this on, on this podcast uh, was Mathieu Ricard, who is known to be one of the world's most committed monks. You know, he's done 60,000 hours of lifetime meditation. And I know Matthew very well and I love him. He's an amazing human being. And um, there was a point in time where he engaged heavily to try to make a, the world a better place. And, you know, he was always at Davos and so on and so forth. And when I asked him and he said, my favorite place is my little hermitage where he 
goes, it's a meter by three meters, he said, no running water, no heating, where he sometimes spent four years there. Can you believe that? Yeah. And, and that's his happiest place on the planet. It's quite interesting the way you describe, you know, it's not just that there is nothing and you have to sit there with your thoughts and it's really a form of a monkhood if you think about yeah. it. But along with it, you have to go down 50 meters and up 150 meters every day. And I remember you once telling me that the idea of the ego, because you'd be on your bicycle or whatever, and if a car behind you starts to, you yeah. know, to, to, to go like, you're too slow for me, yeah. your typical ego will be like, look at me, I can do yeah. more, right? Yeah, but that yeah. could kill you basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a very uh, uh, humbling experience overall um, that we rarely ever get in the modern world. Yeah. And, you know, somehow, of course, I keep talking about the idea of the need for silence, the needs, the need for distance. And it's definitely something I probably want every one of our listeners to consider, even, yeah. even if it is just, as I always say, a mini silent retreat, you know, a half, a half a day on Sunday morning, every two weeks where you just sit and do nothing. It just makes all the difference to have that silence, that peace, that zero ego, zero need to engage, I think makes all the difference. Let's switch gears a little bit. Yeah, I want to say one, one, one thing about, so, 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 uh, so, if, so, if, if, if I can. Yeah. What you said, just right now, you know, uh, it is something that I discovered uh, after I quitted my job uh, with Artyom Boulevard and Artyom Late Night. Uh, I was, you know, questioning myself. So what did I do that I was capable of running a late night TV show, work for maybe 50, 60 hours a week easily, and at the same time train for uh, one of the hardest races in the world uh, and making training weeks for 20, 25 hours a week. So Amazing, what yeah. was it that I didn't burn out back in those days? Mm. And in my search, I, I, I came to uh, a book, Peak Performance, uh, from, from two guys, Brad Stolberg and Stephen Magnus. And in their book, they uh, had a formula. And the formula is very simple. And they say stress being out of your comfort zone, hurt, eh? uh, so so being, uh, pushing yourself, plus rest is grow. <laughs> so the thing that they, in a scientifically explained there is that you need stress to achieve things. So, you know, if we talk about uh, a balanced life, they say you, do, you if you want to achieve things, you don't search. You're you ain't searching for a balanced life. It it doesn't take you anywhere. Mm. You need discomfort. You need stress to to make things happen and and to um, level up your game. But in the same way, you need rest. You need to be. Uh, sitting quietly in a room alone, you need some time off and do nothing to um, uh, to think, to digest. And that two things will eventually lead to growth. Mm -hmm. And uh, that uh, is something that an athlete does. He's training, he's resting and his muscles grow. But it's also the same that we as a human has to um, get in front of our eyes that uh, we, we, we shouldn't be anxious about stressing ourselves and doing things out of our comfort zone, but we also don't have to be anxious about doing nothing 
and just sit quietly in a room alone. And hmm. that's uh, so when you say up there and in the Sharon Nevada, there's nothing. Yeah, that's what people should uh, should say uh, or will tell you who are now here in Amsterdam chasing the career and the the new car, the new Rolex or whatever. Mm-hmm. They will go up that hill and say, what the fuck is this? There's nothing here. Mm. And I say, it's everything. I have everything that I want just on that spot. Mm. So that's a big difference about the way you look at things. But stress plus rest is eventually grow. So, so, so the, the, this idea of, I mean, would you consider your time there some kind of meditation? Yeah, yeah for, for definitely. But I also consider being on my bike alone, riding for six hours. Uh, that's also my definitely. way of meditating. Uh, doing an endurance run for two, two and a half hours. That's also my way of meditating. I always train alone. Why? Because I know now that that is my meditation time. Mm-hmm. That's why I want to go. So I, if people or friends are, uh, are asked if they can join me on a bike ride, it depends heavenly on how I feel and in what kind of emotional or how busy my work week was. Because when I have a busy week or, or I'm not emotionally not in the place I want to be, I, I immediately say, and I, you know, I can be bloodly honest. <laughs> I immediately say, yeah, I'm sorry, man, but I'm going, I'm going to ride the bike uh, tomorrow, but I'm going alone. Mm. So, so how about the pain? If you don't mind me asking that. So pa- part of, of that experience, I, I don't know how fit you are, but I'm sure every human being after a few hours of your muscle work, your body is sort of trying to tell you, can we, can we break can we now? Stop. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. It's a little voice in your head who's <laughs> telling you. It's a little voice in your head. How yeah. long are we going to do this? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and that's the battle. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and and in triathlon, they say embrace the suck. Interesting. What yeah, does that yeah, mean? Yeah. Well, uh, accept the pain. So, so don't tell yourself that the pain isn't there. Uh, just say like it is, the pain is there, the pain is for real. Yeah, but the problem is you have to deal with it. Uh, mm. So embrace the pain. And and in that moment, in that um, moment of pain and, and, and uh, the body shouting and, and the brain is shouting to you, okay, let's stop, let's stop. You have to find some peace with yourself. And that says, no, I'm comfortable sitting here and it will pass. It will pass. Let's 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 wow. see within one kilometer, maybe five minutes, how we think of. So quiet the mind is something that that uh, is uh, very important. Quiet the mind and and embrace the suck. It is what it is. You know, you want to achieve this. You want to be the hero crossing the line and 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 that picture and you know uh, someone. Uh, beside you who's telling Carlo Valina, you are the Iron Man. Well, okay, this is what it takes. Embrace the suck. Do, do you apply that at work too? Um, yeah, with the knowledge I have now, uh, definitely. Because I know when things are getting rough and things are getting uh, uh, difficult, um, that's, that's, that's probably the way you have to go. So the, the hard decisions, and that's something the Stoics also tell you, you know, the obstacle is the way. Probably uh, uh, the hardest way is the way to go. I mean, 
making decisions, especially if you want to let you guide about your own emotions and your own feeling. Um, it's like we started the conversation. Um, being in the forefront of, of trends and being in the forefront of, you know, where things are going and, and heading. Yeah, then that's definitely uh, the hard way, mm. but it's, it's the way to go. So, so when, when does one change, you know, because that could be very deceiving. You know, if, if you're in the wrong place, if you're in the wrong relationship, if you're in the wrong job, uh, embracing the suck might be a very bad idea, no? I mean, it's keeping you in a place where it's probably not the best place for you, is it? I mean, no, you, you, I mean, you, I mean uh, well, training and, and doing endurance sport, I mean, it's something that you choose for us. Eh? So that's um, at that moment, uh, the place you want to be and you have to be. But I think, you know, the, the, the tipping point for me, I can only uh, explain what the tipping point was for me, is uh, knowing that uh, I am responsible. So I am responsible for everything I do, and I'm responsible for every outcome uh, that uh, I want to achieve. So um, that's why, you know, you, you you could say, so yeah, if you want to go to Hawaii and if you want to do that triathlon, embrace the suck because uh, you are responsible uh, if you now quit the training because you, you don't want to feel that pain anymore. Um, but if you want to go to Hawaii, then, then you have to accept the pain and, and, uh, accept that, that for your outcome, you're responsible for finishing this training and nobody else. Applies really nicely actually to the current, uh, state I'm in today, because I actually don't talk about that much, but slow-mo hasn't been very slow for me in the last no. few weeks, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, most, most people, um, know that uh, this now has been my quest for wisdom. So I travel the world and I meet amazing people everywhere in the world and back and forth between London and Bakewell and Manchester and here and, you know, and I have really, really wanted to take a retreat. I wanted a 45 days uh, where I live my half monk reality, you know, someplace far away uh, where I can have total silence. And because slow-mo is weekly, uh, that means that 45 days is six episodes. And, you know, if I need a couple more as a buffer so that I can, I don't have to record immediately. I needed to record a buffer and I've been really embracing. I don't call it the suck because every guest was amazing. But I have to say, incredibly, it was quite demanding. Right? Yeah. And, and I kept reminding myself every time I, uh, you know, we're setting up again. And this comes out right after my book tour for that little voice in your head. I always reminded myself, but that's because I want to go to Hawaii. In that case, I want to disappear somewhere and completely reflect and finish editing my unstressable book and, you know, with Alice and, and write my next book, which everyone is really, really grilling me to write. It's halfway through uh, Finding Love. And I, I enjoy that tremendously. So the reward is so high that I've been pushing myself for the last four or five weeks to just get everything done properly. And I absolutely believe that. I believe that embracing the suck in that case uh, is probably the wise thing to do. As long as at the end of the day, that doesn't become your lifestyle. It is done for a reason, for something that you desire. Yeah. And, and I think um, you can clearly 
time box or, 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 you know, you can clearly set the period mm-hmm. when listening to you, you know, I mean, and we, we, we talked uh, about it uh, recently that it's also uh, still for me, but, but also uh, for you, uh, um, a little war inside eh? to, to achieve things, to, to, to do things and make the world a better place with the talent you have. And that came with a price. Uh, that's uh, where you're talking about with recording the the podcast and doing all the good work with a little voice in your head and you know the interviews and that kind of things. And then the uh, and and in the other side, you know, you want to yeah take 45 days off or maybe uh, more time off to just be a monk and you know leave me. Alone. <laughs> so if you come yeah. back to what I just said, you know, you, you could say now definitely you are in a time of stress. Mm. Eh? So out of your comfort zone, but you know that uh, you are uh, still responsible of slow-mo and your listeners and your fans providing every week with a podcast. So you have to stress yourself now and doing uh, the things you have to do to your next phase is rest. And I also going to tell you, you need that period of rest. Absolutely. To not only recover, but also to reflect on exactly. this period. Yeah. And that will eventually um, set you in a place and in a situation and uh, that you can write the best exactly. next book or the next chapter. And it will give you, it will provide you the insights, you know, to, to, to go forward. And that's the grow part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it is the reflection that is needed to actually do this right, right? It's the it's the the growth bit is really the idea of finding that piece to learn something new, to reflect and find something yeah. new. I wanna I wanna shift gears heavily, as a matter of fact. I think people who will join the podcast now will have no idea how different the rest of the conversation uh, has been because a big part of what I believe is distracting most of us is media. Yeah. We live in a world where, I don't know how to say it any other way. Uh, you know, if you, if you think back in the 1800s, uh, nobody felt bored when there was nothing on TV yeah. or nothing on Instagram or nothing on Netflix. But today, people cannot live without media. Yeah. And, and the trends of media have been changing very drastically over the last few years in ways that people don't realize. So, you know, I don't know if this is true. I, I, you know, I'd ask your opinion, but I definitely think that there was no binge watching TV. There is a lot of binge watching Netflix. There was no swiping on Netflix. Uh, There is a lot of swiping on Instagram. And that trend continues now into what Meta is trying, Facebook, as I always call them. I don't like the word Meta. Uh, you know, you know the idea of the metaverse and sucking us further and further into that fake world, new reality, new new illusion. Is it yeah. new reality? Yeah, I don't know. So, so, so you you started. Was it 2017 when yeah. you did, yeah? So you started to re- to recognize those trends back in 2017, and you know the TV is going away, yeah, uh, and that the the world is changing drastically. Yeah, C- can you tell us about this journey? Where where are we heading? 
Well, uh, where are we heading? Yeah, that's uh, a good question. I think we are heading to uh, a mixed reality life uh, for sure. So I think mixing our physical presence on on planet Earth uh, with our digital presence in all kind of virtual worlds uh, as an avatar, I think that will be something that's ahead of us for the upcoming years. And uh, I gave a lot of... Um, keynotes uh, uh, about this topic. And then when I say that sentence, you know, we're going to mix our uh, physical presence on planet Earth with our virtual presence in multiply virtual worlds as an avatar. And we go in that world because we're going to work, we're going to shop and we're going to party, socialize in that kind of virtual worlds. People are looking at me and saying, um, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. Uh, but then um, deeper down the rabbit hole, I'm I'm showing them some, expand, uh, some um, examples of what's going on with Generation Z and also what's going on now with Generation Alpha. So born from 2010 till 2020-25. So some of them uh, has to be born uh, uh, in yeah, the upcoming yeah. years. Mm -hmm. And what you see there is that um, they are so heavenly involved, and you are a gamer, they are so heavenly involved from their early days. So from uh, the moment that, that they can walk in gaming, uh, that for them, it's a second nature to, to, to be in games like Fortnite, Roblox, and Minecraft as an avatar, and not only be there to, to play games, but nowadays they, 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 yeah, they gather there to, to join for a birthday party. They, 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 they come there to visit concerts for Ariana Grande, for Justin Bieber from Little Nas X. Uh, and, and the most important thing is that, um, to identify themselves to their friends, they they dress their avatars with all kinds of, you know, material as we know it as material goods. So from Gucci, from Tommy Hilfiger, from Nike. So Gucci, Nike, Tommy Hilfiger all got brand stores in Roblox. And, and those kids, you know, eight, 10 year olds are spending their uh, their pocket money on Roblox because they want to have or they want to buy the latest virtual sneakers. So when they are with their friends, they can show them, you know, I have that Nikes in Roblox. So, uh, and then, you know, when, when I explain that to the audience, then when, this, when the group is small and we have an interactive session, then there are always two, three, four parents that then say, oh, now I understand why my kid is an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old and he asked me for money so he can buy for it. That's, that's going on in my house already. I say, uh-huh. So let's go back to that sentence and say, we will, within five, 10 years, have a mixed reality life where the physical goods and the physical way we live is equal important to the virtual world and the virtual goods that we, and especially the upcoming generations are going to buy. I, I mean, I'm holding myself back so strongly from saying that's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, is there any benefit to living in that world? 
Well, for for there are examples examples where you can say you know so uh, the metaverse to me is a container concept and and the metaverse itself it doesn't exist and I don't think uh, for me it's more like you know the metaverse we talk about it that upcoming new innovative technologies you know like y- you know them better than I do I think uh, artificial intelligence augmented reality, virtual reality, blockchain, eventually it will develop a new kind of internet and we get used to that internet and it, it, it will enable us to, to, to live uh, a seamlessly mixed reality life. So we, we get all kinds of information and content layers when we are walking the streets here in Amsterdam. So Google Maps, you know, now we have to pick up our phone and look where we want to go. Google recently released their new, you you can't say Google Glass, but they released their new Google Glass. I think it's an incredible piece of technology. Last week, uh, Mojo Visions released some lenses with AR uh, projection in it. So uh, within the upcoming years, we will walk the streets and you know, oh, then we would say, oh, you want to go here and you want to have dinner here. It's cost you this and this. And um, that's where I think uh, we are heading when we talk about the metaverse. Uh, and one uh, one very deep explanation of this is that, you know, the upcoming generations will eventually go in virtual worlds and live there as an avatar or be there some part of the day. Uh, to do their job or to yeah educate themselves or uh, and it's not it's not black and white i think there are we have to see where things are going but i think there are also very um yeah good uh, utilities to to that kind of development but for sure you know if we're going to enter that era uh not knowing who you are and not knowing what you want, then then it will uh, it 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 can lead to a disaster. Yeah, for sure. So everything becomes virtual in that case. So this is where NFTs come in, where yeah. people start to buy pictures, really computer photos or computer things. Yeah, uh, for money. Yeah, because the virtual, so um, that's that's where we talk about Web3. So it's the internet built on the blockchain. Um, we can have a conversation about, you know, the up and the downside of the blockchain. But um, I think it's always, I mean, and you're way, way longer in this um, in this uh, technology space. But when new technology uh, arises, you know, we are always uh, tempted to, to celebrate it mm-hmm. and, and, and not know uh, the downside of it. And I think that's something, uh, if you look at the blockchain, uh, uh, we have to focus more also on the downside, but um, it's, it's about ownership. So Web3, you know, built on the blockchain will enable us to own digital uh, assets. So if you look at Roblox now, and the example example that I gave you about the virtual Nikes kids buy in Roblox, then that virtual sneakers, they can only use it in Roblox, in that wallet garden. And you can't, you know, you can't transport it 
you can transport your Nikes that you bought in Roblox to Minecraft or to Fortnite. And the whole idea, the whole concept of the NFTs is that you can claim and you can prove that something virtual is yours. So it's an, it's, it's an ownership certificate. And um, that will enable you that when you buy those virtual Nikes as an NFT, everybody can see that you really own the Nikes and you can sell them to who you want and when you want. And the blockchain enables us to, and that's where, you know, I think something important is going, uh, uh, is, is, is developed that the, the blockchain is also that, that community who's developing Web3 is focused on cutting out the middleman. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if you look at Facebook, if you look at Meta, then uh, that's clearly a middleman uh, who didn't has uh, the the be- uh, who, who didn't uh, handle in the best interest of his users, right? Mm. Uh, so, and I think coming from that era uh, with with uh, plat- platforms and 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 middlemen who are so powerful that you know if you want to use the platform, they will abuse you in some kind of way, maybe on privacy, maybe on mm-hmm. uh, ads, yeah. ads and whatever. And I think Web3 and the whole community is now focused on how can we uh, give back the power to the users and, and let the user be in control of the internet. So it's more like, you know, Web1. And um, yeah, they're, they're, the, the NFTs and the blockchain has a, a very important part in that. So, so let, let's talk about the typical listener today. Would you advise they go to this world or stay away? Um, well, I I should say that I think it's you you can avoid it. I mean, um, it's coming our way. So so we have to think about um, how do I want to interact with it and how one I uh, how do I want to deal with this kind of new technology that's coming at us. And I think it's important, you know, if we talk about rest, if we talk about sitting quietly in a room alone, uh, dealing with myself and know who I am, knowing what I need, that's first of all, I think the the basics uh, where you have to work on before you can say, so how do I want to interact with that new technology and, mm-hmm. and, and, and how do I want to be part of Metaverse or the new internet? Uh, how can I use it in a way that is uh, not damaging me, but it's helping me uh, as a human to do my work better, to maybe commu- communicate in a different way, maybe to travel less, maybe to train myself and educate myself in an totally different way that I'm used to. But first of all, I think the basic uh, has to be, you know, who am I as a human? Where do I stand for? And, 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 and what's inside of me? What are my values uh, that I want to hold on uh, as a human? And then after that um, comes the second question. And that's how do I want to interact and uh, with this new kind of technology and what am I going to use? Yeah, I think I think that question is 
it's becoming very challenging when you think about it. I mean, I, I, I start, uh, so I, I thought of writing another technology book after Scary Smart. I have not put it on the roadmap yet, but it was called Sentient Technology. And the idea that we are now creating several kinds of technologies that are very unlike technologies we've created f f before. One, you know, one, one side of that is what I term as obligatory technologies. It's like technology that will be out there and you'll have no choice but to join it. If you don't join it, you're at a very distinct disadvantage. And, and the other is the sentiism si side of them. So, so some of those technologies like artificial intelligence, we've heard recently about the, you know, the Google artificial yeah. intelligence, yeah. uh, sentient being. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think that gene editing is some kind of a sentient technology yeah. because the edited gene goes out there and then continues to, 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 to edit itself if you want. And, um, you know, those kinds of technologies, interestingly, are now obligatory. Because yeah. if someone uses CRISPR, for example, to edit a gene of a rabbit and re releases the rabbit out in the wild, whether you like it or not as a human, you know, living in Pakistan, eventually that gene, uh, uh, you know, strain or strand is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to come your way, right? And it is obligatory in that sense that we don't really have a choice anymore on what we want to participate in and what we don't. I, I feel that daily because honestly, I... Uh, you know, dislike social media with a vengeance, uh, but I have no choice if I want to spread a good message to the world uh, to, to not be there. It's not a choice that I have. I, I have to admit, though, it, I struggle in my mind because I'm a gamer, as you rightly said, and I spend 45 minutes a day, four times a week when I'm, when I'm sort of getting ready for, for my skill level in a virtual world completely. I mean, I'm completely absorbed. I'm completely in flow. My avatar is doing all the work. And, you know, I'm killing all of you listening, but, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm there in that, in, that, uh, in that virtual world. And there is an interesting side to that. But if I'm there for, you know, am I, if I'm not there 45 minutes a day, uh, instead I'm there the rest of the day, then I think something is going really wrong. Yeah, but I don't think that that, uh, and I mean, I'm I'm not uh, the the marketing guy for the metaverse. Huh? I mean, I'm just you know as with my gut feeling of uh, an understanding of where consumers are heading. You know, that's why I yeah. deep dived into it and and want to understand what's coming uh, to us. And I don't think people will live. Uh, the whole day in the metaverse. I think not it yet. will be, and not yet. I think, but eventually, no, not yet. Yeah, for sure. Um, in, 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 and and uh, one thing I, 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 so where things can go misunderstood is is the word game mm. and gaming. Mm. So that that's um, you know uh, will probably bring in minds to people. Uh, we talk about play, but if you look at what game engines, like the Unreal Engine, eh? uh, I mean, Fortnite is built uh, uh, by Epic on the uh, Unreal Engine. And if you look at the kind of content and the ease where you can create yeah. that content for free, mm -hmm. I mean, photorealistic, I mean, uh, uh, people here on the streets can't uh, see that it's fake. It's so good nowadays. Uh, if we talk about the metaverse and we talk about, you know, uh, future virtual worlds, then the word game, uh, you have to 
don't get mis uh, how do say mislead mis, misled mis, yeah. mis, misled by the word game so if you're gonna research what we are talking about I should strongly advise look at YouTube and and look for some um, examples of the Unreal Engine. Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw one of your talks once when you when you played Morgan Freeman at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, by by Unreal, and it's Unreal. Yeah, because even after you told us that this was not Morgan Freeman, it was computer generated entirely. The voice, the the image, everything, yeah. the the tonality of the of the of the speech. I still didn't believe you. Yeah. You know, I, I actually rewinded it a few times and I still didn't believe you. Yeah. I don't know if we can include this actually in the video here. If we can, probably we should. I am not Morgan Freeman and what you see is not real. Well, at least in contemporary terms, it is not. What if I were to tell you that I am not even a human being? But Unreal is, 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 is providing everybody who wants, you know, with meta-humans, I mean plug-and-play avatars that are lookalikes like you and me. It's incredible. And if you have some kind of technical background and knowledge, not even, I mean, it's yeah, low-code. Uh, animating uh, them is a no problem at all. It's, 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 it's crazy. But for us, that's a concern because we are um, grown up with, you know, um, that real uh, is, 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 is the thing that you have to strive for. But the upcoming generations, for them, fake is becoming as real as real is for us. So that's that's a change in 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 the upcoming years. That you know, if he said, you know, who wants to uh, value virtual goods in the same way that you yeah. know physical goods for for them? That's that's their reality. I I I have to say, I when I think about those things, it's so mind twisting because, in a very interesting way, when you buy. Uh, you know, a Gucci bag or whatever, and you're paying, what you're paying for is your ego, really. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. So, so if, if you, it's not the bag, it's not the leather, it's not the physical material. Huh? And so if you pay for it in a, in an online game, you're still buying the same ego, interestingly. And so in a, that confuses my brain a little. I, I, the other side is when people talk about deep fakes, I have to say what you show, you know, with Unreal and so on is just very, very, very shocking. But it, it's always been fake. I mean, when when you, I, I don't know if people think about this, but when you watch a romantic movie where, the, you know, the actor is making love to the actress and, you know, you're so like, oh my God, they're in love. They're not really, you know, they're not even making love. No. There's not, you know, it's all fake. It's been fake for quite a long time. Yeah. You know, even, even those who position themselves as real, you know, like news shows, it is fake in a way because, you know, they're showing one half of one quarter, one tenth of the truth. No, I mean, I, I, I was in that uh, industry, eh? uh, the television industry. I mean, I always said, you know, it's fake. Mm -hmm. And that's something. So that, in my opinion, is an upside what social media brought us. I mean, we can definitely talk about the downside of social media. But in a way, social media has educated uh, millions of people about what's fake and what's not. I mean, because you have uh, a one-on-one -on -one relationship with your phone and you are so, so close to the content. It is so in your face, literally, that people nowadays feel if it's fake or not. If the, if the message that somebody is telling you is fake or not. And I believe that 
in uh, some kind of way, you know, uh, people are uh, are are uh, watching less and less t- TV because they now feel how, that, how that fake it, it is. isn't. Yeah, how fake it is. So that's something that. And if you talk about fake stories, I mean, you 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 addressed you know the 1800s that we didn't have Netflix and we didn't have TV. No, for sure, but. People were searching for uh, uh, for some kind of you know uh, uh, distraction back in those days. I mean, they were sitting uh, around campfires and telling each other stories. And yeah. the, and the guy who had, who had the best story was probably the leader of the pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, and and uh, uh, they couldn't verify if his story was right or not. It's always been fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also, I mean, if if we look at the stories that we are telling ourselves in our heads, <laughs> it's also fake, but it's, oh you know. Oh my God, that's it's, such it's, an interesting point of view. It's a story that, 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 yeah. that you believe, uh, that you are telling yourself who you are and 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 what you uh, achieved. And, and if you believe your own story, then yeah, it doesn't have to be true. I mean. That's such an interesting point of view. I mean, we're not, we're not, pro uh face uh filters and 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 you know deep fakes but it seems that humanity has always been faking it it's quite an eye-opening what what is the truth what is the truth you tell me and the deep fakes yeah for sure you know it's in all kind of ways it's it's a concern i mean university of tilburg uh, begin this year said that they predict that in the upcoming five years, 90% of all the content that's been shown to you online is in one, ki- one kind of way is manipulated. 90%. I mean, that's, that's something, right? It is quite something. I mean, even the content that I put out there, you know, it's edited a little bit. We're, exactly. we're, we're going to take this, you know, this recording and... A filter. Uh, yeah, and we're going to, you know, remove when I said, uh, or whatever, or, right? The words that are not necessary might be might be edited or m- there might have been a section that didn't go very well and we re-recorded it or whatever. And yeah, I'm, I think the definition of what is the truth is becoming quite complex. I think... Um we, I know you, you, you like to flip things over. So we are concerned about uh, real and, and, you know, the deep fake that are coming ahead of us. But I mean, you could also argue that maybe it's a way bigger concern if we can handle the truth in the future. <laughs> yeah. So what if we ain't capable within the next five or 10 year to, to handle the truth anymore because we're so used to, you know, manipulate the truth and that, yeah, we can deal with it anymore. And then we go back and then that will eventually lead to, uh, we are not capable of sitting alone on our mountain in the Spanish Sierra Nevada or you as a monk for 45, you know, uh, distract yourself from, uh, the Western society to go back to the core of Mogadot. And that's, that's really a concern, eh? that we are ain't capable anymore or uh, don't want to be on ourselves anymore. Wise words. It seems to me, honestly, that of my entire career in technology, that what technology has always done, which we tend to blame technology, but what technology has always done is it magnified 
what humans want to do. Yeah. You know, you, you, you could walk at five kilometers an hour and you can drive a car at 280, right? Exactly. The, the, you know, the, that mobility is just magnified by the technology, but we wanted to drive that far. We wanted to drive that fast. And I think what, what, you know, when you start to say it's always been fake, it seems that technology is just making us more capable at faking it, you know? Yeah, for sure. But, but like we said before, you know, um, I am responsible of what I want to do with that technology. For sure. I can create deep fakes, but I also can create very meaningful kind of piece of content to help others. I mean, it's, you or know. I can, or, and I can, and I can also reject fakes. I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is that if humanity starts to reject fake, uh, then the technology will serve going in that direction. I think that's really the core issue is that we are the ones that wanted the actor and the actress to, to fake making love. We are the ones that wanted the news media to keep telling us the negative. We are the ones that are basically, uh, uh, you know, liking a video of our friend, which we know is using a filter and saying, oh my God, you look amazing girl, right? And and I think that reality is not the mistake of technology. It's our mistake. Yeah. And maybe the way to reverse that is to go the opposite way and go to the top of the mountain. Yeah. And, you know, to, to tell the technology, I need you to help me find that peace. I need, to, I need you to help me connect deeply to myself and not be sucked in that world where there is very little reality anymore. Yeah, but you and I, I think, have a little understanding of what we are talking about. Mm. But how do we provide this message and how do we achieve this with the uh, billions of people around the world who are just living mindless, sorry to say, uh, and chasing uh, all kind of things and, and liking and sharing and commenting on yeah. this guy. So when do we as society and as, uh, humans say it's, it's enough. Mm. This is the point when we say, you know, ain't no more. This is enough. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny when I think about it. I, I know a lot of people will hate me when I say this and send me horrible messages on Instagram. Uh, but, but I, I never really read fiction in my life. And when people asked me why, I always said, you know, there is so much, you know, fiction in life itself. There is no, so much drama in life itself. Why would I read fiction? Like I can observe life and see the fiction. And maybe at that very, very beginning, beginner's level of, if it's not real, I don't want it. I don't watch the news either because I remember vividly growing up in Egypt where we had two TV stations, one repeating what the president said and the other repeating what the first one said. And I knew this was not true, right? And, you know, I, so I didn't want to be in that environment. And there might be an, a call to action here to, instead of sucking the, what did you call it? The, no, uh, embrace embrace, the embracing the suck of how much life sucks when we are lied to so much. Maybe we should go the opposite way. Maybe we should start a revolution, say, I'm no longer going to accept lies. I don't want to be lied to. I don't want fakes. I want life with its sweat and blood, with its, you know, mucus and fights and with everything that I disagree with my friends with sometimes. And I want it because 
this is the drama of life and I love it as it is. I want it with all of its joy, of all of its laughs, of all of its, you know, uh, pain. Um, pain and carrot cakes and the weight that comes with the carrot cake. Because eventually when you really think about it, if we continue in that direction, we might end up adding a new layer to reality. So your consciousness is using your body as an avatar and your body is using technology as an avatar. That's a very weird place for me to be. Yeah, but I think, you know, it's um, in front of us and it's already, it's already here. I mean, it's not even in front of us anymore. I mean, it's around us, all it's, around it's us. It's around us mm. for sure. And basically what you say is, you know, uh, we have to learn to to handle the truth about, about life. Mm. I'm going to end there. Actually, I normally would end uh, slow mos on a very positive note and, you know, uh, wise advice for what we need to do. I think this is a very wise place to end because I think we need to learn to handle the truth. Honestly, I think we, uh, meta can build the metaverse, uh, games can flood our uh, Xboxes until we choose to be in that reality. It's not your reality. Uh, if you can choose to go to the top of the mountain or I'm not telling anyone where I'm going for the next 45 days. Uh, you know, if you, if you choose that, then by definition, you end up in a place where it is your reality with the ants, with the bugs, with the flies, with the, you know, cold sometimes, with the warmth sometimes. And, and that is truly, I think, what life is, not the life that we've been building. Carlo, I love you dearly, man. It's always such an incredible pleasure. And I always am very grateful for all the support, all of the advice that you give me. I think you single-handedly have helped me over the years reach hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people because of all your kindness, all of your smarts, all of your advice and all of your support. I'm very grateful. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for, for the kind words. And I think, uh, you know, uh, you are on a mission I, I daily want to support. And, and I want to shout out uh, to Sonia because I think, Absolutely. you know, uh, Sonia and... Have I spoken about Sonia on this podcast before? Sonia Dippel, find her on Instagram and bombard her like you bombard me. So Sonia heads, yeah. heads one billion happy. Yeah. Uh, so for, for, you know, I, 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 part of my heart is one billion happy, but all of Sonia's day is one billion happy. So uh, definitely she introduces us. Uh, all of us that are more pushing this mission to 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 really excel and spread happiness as much as we can. So um, thank you for for having me on your show, and um, yeah, I hope to to see you soon again. Thank you for being here. Thank you all for listening. Uh, as I say, uh, you know, this maybe is one of those slow mo mo podcasts that are scary, just so that you. Uh, take a moment and actually think about this. Find me or Carlo on Instagram and continue the conversation if you want. Oh, I'm telling you to go to the other world. Uh, anyway, uh, think about it because I think we need more reality in our life. We need to learn to handle the truth. With that, I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to uh, meet such incredible people and sit in such amazing places and uh, continue my quest for wisdom everywhere in the world. Uh, wherever you are today, I promise you, you need a little bit of time on, the, on top of the mountain. So regardless of how busy you are today, find a little bit of time to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.